Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, I'm going to be talking about uh, a topic that was brought up in my Facebook group, and you should join my Facebook group. It's all great people who like to talk about issues like the ones that I discuss. Uh, some Somebody who joined called it unprofessional. Um, it is. <laughs> it is not professional. There is no structure of it. It is not like some sort of like coaching program. Believe me, that would cost more than $4.99 a month. It is just a bunch of people talking about stuff that relates to Dr. Psych Mom topics and then I chime in and people share memes. I actually got blacklisted for sharing a meme. It was so ridiculous. It was on gray sweatpants, whatever. I talk about literally anal sex constantly, <laughs> like oral sex. And like it was a meme about women like in gray sweatpants. And uh, by the time you hear this, that will have been like a month or two ago. But anyway, it was irritating because it's happening right now. Um, but Anyway, uh, the, <laughs> the point is you should join the Facebook group if you like talking about these topics. And this one came up, which is if your wife is depressed, or of course it could be your husband being depressed, uh, what is helping them versus what is enabling them? And some people said enabling can only be addiction, and that's not true. So I'll talk about that now right after I tell you to subscribe because my next uh, episode, whatever the hell I decide it will be on, will be a subscriber episode. And the most recent one was why your partner isn't going to want to make you happy if you never act happy when they try to make you happy. So anyway, um, depression. So depression can manifest, and I've discussed this repeatedly, as a whole variety of things that people don't necessarily associate with it, such as anger, irritability, apathy, fatigue, um, laying around, overeating, oversleeping, crying a lot, uh, being super rejection sensitive. I don't know if I said that one yet. Um, uh, just, Just a whole range of things, honestly. Eating less, eating more, sleeping less, sleeping more, uh, negativity, cynicism. So there, there's a whole bunch of, of things. I talk about them repeatedly. You could just go to the depression section of the Dr. Psych Mom blog. You could sort by category. That's one of the categories. So, and I've also done posts about it. So when you enable somebody, basically you're allowing them to be their worst self. So if you enable an alcoholic, you're somebody that brings them a drink or somebody who calls them out of work when they, you know, are too hungover. You make something up, you make up excuses, you keep the kids away from them. You're basically allowing them and their behavior to be its worst because you're allowing it to be. It's the same thing with depression. So in uh, grad school, during my PhD program, I I worked for somebody who studied the behavioral activation theory of depression, which shows it's basically, you know, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Well, people also look at the individual parts of that and the behavioral part. Literally, what we did for people was just schedule pleasant activities that could potentially release some dopamine for them and see if that alone would help with depression, helping them figure out what those activities would be and being accountable to us for doing those activities, whether they're going grocery shopping or taking a walk or calling a friend or taking a shower or whatever the case may be, does the behavioral component alone in a vacuum without any cognitive component, such as reframing or various skills to address the negative thoughts. So does the behavioral piece alone uh, significantly improve depressive symptoms? And the answer is yes. So if you get up and you do things, then you can, that can actually release enough dopamine and kind of get you going enough and make you proud of yourself enough that you can be kind of jogged out of a depression that's worsening. 
And I've obviously um, repeatedly shared that I myself struggle with depression. So this is something that I know very well personally and that most people with depression know is that there's a lot of times where you have to kind of get up and do things. And when you do, that makes you feel good about yourself. So like if you have a pet to take care of, of course, a child to take care of, sure, like you can get to a place where it's so severe that you're in bed and you don't even, um, and, and you can't even take care of somebody like a pet or a child. But that that is unusual, thank God, for like depression to get that severe. There's also mild and moderate depression before something gets that severe. So in those cases, most people with depression have at some point at least thought that because they had to do something, it kept them going. Now that in no way says that you shouldn't get treated via therapy, medication, or what have you. There is also, of course, treatment-resistant depression. And in up to 30 cases, people don't respond to really much at all. So in those cases, and this is what acceptance and commitment therapy or ACT talks about, you have to try to live a valued life even if your mood is not good. Even if you kind of are feeling sad and blank and apathetic, you still can get up and do what is later going to make you proud of yourself that you did. So that is what enabling spouses prevent from happening, right? So like there's a difference between doing chores, taking over some chores for your wife when she's depressed uh, while she uh, finds a therapist, tries some medication, goes on her daily walk that she's committing to do to um, try to jog herself out of the depression, does her yoga, her meditation, whatever. So yeah, sure, take over the chores doing that. But if you're taking over the chores and she's taking that time just to sleep, well, then nothing good is happening. She would probably do better having to get up and do the laundry than if she's allowed to sleep endlessly because her body will wants to sleep endlessly. And so if she never has to get up and there's no plan, she's not going to a therapist regularly, she's not going to a psychiatrist, she's not going to anybody, she's not, you know, because there's obviously other practitioners. I mean, for example, TMS, transcranial magnetic stimulation. That's neither therapy nor a medication. It's a big magnet that goes around your head that you have to do every day for like six weeks or something in the protocol. You can research TMS. I'm sure uh, there's a lot of research that 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 can work for sometimes for treatment resistant depression so let's say uh, she goes to her tms every day fine so you want to drive her there you want to drive her back okay especially if she can't really drive because she's kind of in her own world and she has like brain fog good you're helping but at least she's going somewhere you know but what people tend to do with people who are depressed it's the same thing with anxiety so like a lot of people have ocd where they have to check the locks so sometimes the the spouse will start to check the locks i'll say you go to the car I'll check the locks. But that doesn't mean that the person doesn't have OCD anymore. They're, they've just included you in basically their boundary of the self. Like somebody is checking the locks. So their OCD doesn't get to go away. They don't have exposure. And the, in the case of OCD, it's exposure to sitting and not letting yourself check the locks. So you could see your anxiety peak and decrease, exposure with response prevention. So you're just doing it for them. So you're enabling the OCD to continue to flourish because you're the one who's checking. And instead, nobody's supposed to be checking. So in the case that you have a spouse who's so depressed, they're laying around all the time, they're yelling, they're snapping at the kids, they're doing whatever, you need to say, we need to get you help, we need to have a plan, 
we need to have a therapist for you. We, we need to uh, be trying medications. We need to be doing something. Sure, I'll take over extra stuff while we get this in place. And I'm happy to take over things that you hate doing, you know, but I'm not going to take over everything because then, you know, you're not going to feel necessary. You're not going to feel needed. And I really do need you. I do need you as a partner. I do need you to do things. I do need you to do X, Y, and Z. And that being needed can often be the difference for somebody. It's not like it's going to necessarily jog them into this super happy mood, but it can make them feel valued. And feeling valued and necessary is super important. A lot of men, when they retire, they no longer feel necessary, so they become depressed. And a lot of people of both genders, when they are too old to um, really help with obviously their own children or even their grandchildren, in nursing homes, for example, they give... There was this uh, program they did in Japan where it was like a robot pet and the robot pet got rid of some people's depression because it, it needs something. It like acts like it needs something. They program it to need to be fed or need to be cuddled and this was making people much less depressed because they were finally needed again. Being needed is a very, very big part of people's self-esteem. As anybody who struggled with being a people pleaser or a workhorse type knows, being needed is like a, a major source of self-esteem. But it's not just for people like that. It's for all humans. So the more stuff you take over for your spouse, the less they're going to do. Because remember, their self-esteem is in, is in the shitter because they're depressed. So they think they're already a bad mom or a bad dad or, or whatever. So if you take over everything, all that does is amplify that you must agree. You know, they don't think like, oh, of course they're taking it over because I'm so depressed. They think they're taking it over because I do a shitty job anyway. And look, they do a better job than me. And this can make you do less and less and less and then there's less and less of your purview in the house. You don't cook, you don't clean, you don't hang out with the kids, you don't drive, you don't this, you don't that. Some people, all they do is their own paid work and that's it, you know, because most people can keep going and doing their own paid work if they're not severely depressed. You know, if they are and then they don't have a job, then they can't do anything. Then they basically feel completely useless and of course that's not a good way for a person to feel. So overall, what I'm saying is that you cannot take over everything for your spouse with depression. If you did, let's say that you have a spouse with depression and you take over so much. What if you got sick, right? What do you think they would be able to rise to the occasion and do? You might want to get sick, you know, I mean, you might want to test it out. You might want to the next time you have a horrible headache or, or you feel like shit and you get up and persevere anyway, because you have to take care of your spouse with depression too. You may want to see what happens if you just say, I can't do it. I'm, I, I got to go back to bed and see if they can rise to the occasion. Because frequently they can, you know, and they can at least a little bit. And if your standards aren't extraordinarily high for them, because they're not going to function like somebody without depression, then, then they may be able to get themselves back, kind of at least recognize a part of their identity that they've assumed depression has taken. Although they don't think of it like that. They just think, I'm a piece of shit. I'm useless. I can't do anything. Thank God I have my spouse, because otherwise these kids would be really fucked, because I can't really do anything. So that's how depression makes you think, is that you're a worthless piece of shit. Nobody ever wants to think like that. So sometimes people who have never struggled with depression think something like, oh, that person hasn't made in the shade. They're just, you know, uh, laying around and must be nice. 
Who the hell wants to lay around and feel like a useless nothing? Nobody does. I mean, that's like the worst. It's not like there's anybody in the world besides real sick people with Munchausen's that think, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to fake depressed so that I could, my children could think of it me like somebody who can't do anything. Everybody could think that I am like a sick, sad, useless person. That's really what I would like to do. No, that's like the worst. When you're sitting on the couch at night and you can't feel, you feel like you can't even move because you're so depressed depressed you feel like shit you feel like shit you're like oh my god I could be doing so much what's wrong with me god you don't feel like oh ha ha I've I've done it again I've made my spouse do everything while I sit here and scroll on my phone no you think god god I'm so useless Ugh. It's disgusting. I disgust myself. That's how people with depression think. And that's what your brain is telling you. So if you are somebody who has ever felt cynical about this and thought, I'm doing everything and my spouse might be faking, who who wants to fake depression? People like to fake things that make them like better, you know, more active, more impressive, more amazing. Not like less, not like somebody who could do less. That this is not anything that maybe like 0.00001% of the world would like to malinger in this way. Every Everybody else is like, oh my God, if I could snap my fingers and have even the remotest amount of energy, I would. And then of course, most human beings still function such that if there were um, a need a big need, like if your house went on fire, then you would get off the couch because that's an adrenaline jolt. But in the absence of the adrenaline jolt, it's extremely difficult to do anything because your body is not producing, your brain is not producing the neurotransmitters that allow you to have any energy. So it feels pretty terrible. And I know that from experience. So if you are ever somebody who thinks that people with depression just feel like they're getting one over, no one does, you know, no, or 99.99999% of the world doesn't and are begging fate and the universe to have something change such that they would have their usual or their previous amount of energy, drive, happiness, ability to smile, sense of humor, just feel like a person again, right? All right, so um, if this resonates with you, then you could also go to a couples counselor. If your spouse, let's say, refuses to see a therapist, you could say, okay, well, I can't deal with um, how things are. We don't really talk. I feel like I don't know how to best support you at this time, so I've made an appointment with a couples counselor. And if you get into couples counseling and the couples counselor sees that your spouse is depressed, they're going to say something about it and they are going to refer them out. And uh, hope, I mean, as a adjunct to your couple's counseling. And sometimes that's the best way to keep make people look in at themselves or to make them realize they have the option of doing so is by getting into couples first and then individual. All right, so I hope you found this useful. Please do subscribe and I'll talk to you all soon.